You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. if it takes a while to chew through something. It's all, it's all right if you don't like parts of it um, because, but it doesn't make it, doesn't make it not scripture if you don't like it, right? You can't just kind of piecemeal your way through the Christian life. And I have a piece of that. I won't have that. That's a bit awkward. Um, James, this book is written by a guy called James who is not the disciple of Jesus with the name of James, right? Not the disciple of Jesus. This is the half-brother of Jesus, James. The disciple of Jesus, he got, like, he got killed early on in the piece. Poor guy. But this is the uh, half-brother of Jesus who had a major turnaround in his life and discovered that his brother, his half-brother, was the Messiah. Wouldn't you be, like, blown away, like, Tom, if you realised that Ethan was actually the Messiah? You'd be like... <laughs> You'd be like, after a while, you'd be like, really? Because wasn't sure about that. All right. Anyway, um, this is the first letter written to any of the Jewish communities who, who had become uh, Christian. All right. They were Messianic Jews. They had put their trust not just in Jehovah in the Old Testament version, but in Jesus. Okay. And so James is writing this very first letter. A bunch of stuff is going on. They're all super religious. And he's trying to get a little bit of that religion out of them. Uh, but he's also talking to them from where they're at. And he's a little bit like a drill sergeant. You know, you've seen the movies. You know, with a drill sergeant, you know, is in their face. I, I haven't had a drill sergeant do that. I have had a couple of corporals give me a face ripping from a few inches away in my time in the army, uh, and that's not fun. But this is a little bit like what it feels like to read the book of James. It's like James is kind of in your face, telling you how it is, telling you what's going on, and it can be a little bit, a little bit awkward. But it's going to be good today, okay? I have a real anticipation of what God's going to do. So I turned up to work on Thursday last week and there is a box of like a big box of Krispy Kreme donuts on my desk. And I'm like, this is not going to go well. And the, I came over to it and I looked through the window that's on top and I'm like, good, there's only three left. But it's on my desk, clearly for me, there's three Donuts there, trying to eat well. Mmm, that's not going to go so well. Um, so I ate two of them immediately before anyone else turned up, and then put the because I didn't want to see, I didn't want them to see me kind of like in the corner, you know, eating these uh, donuts. And so I ate two of them immediately because clearly they were for me. Uh, and you know, it's so hard to be healthy when you have co-workers who just do whatever they like. You know, one of my co-workers is pregnant and she's like, I'm having my first lunch right now and then soon I'm going to have my second lunch, might go for third lunch later. And I'm like, I'm like, how do you, I'm, I'm trying to be good here. You know, I'm trying to be good. Like Beck and I, uh, we got home from holidays. Holidays was a blast, a lot of calories, right? But like, we got home from holidays and we're like, okay, it's time to clean eat, right? Let's clean eat. So we, 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 we've done that. We did so, so well for like a month. I lost like four kilos. I put one back on, lost that sucker again really happy, right? 
But then, you know, you get back into normal life and you're like, yeah, the world's so stressful. Like, and then Cadbury's on sale. And, and you know, and there's, it's, it's like, it's so hard when there's a brand new burger place, you know, Rascals and a gelato place that just went in 50 metre walk from the victory office. It just makes it so hard because I want to look good and I want to be healthy and feel good about my body, but I love Chicken salt on chips, it's just so good. Why did they invent that? That's not helpful. So I'm in these, I'm in two minds about, about it. And it's it's hard when when your priorities get chucked out because someone puts a plate of nice food in front of you and goes, Hey, it's free. You go. Yeah, no, no, no. My boss has a sign on his desk, a little chalkboard sign, and he sa- it says, do not feed. <laughs> right? Because priorities, right? Priorities, loves, desires. What, what do I really, really want? What do you really, really want? Like, what if, what if what I do is actually revealing my priorities? What if I'm as close to God as I want to be? What if when God feels distant, it's not because he moved, but it's because I'm, I'm too busy doing my thing? All those statements are true. You're as close to God as you want to be. Often it's just our priorities that are out of whack that take us to places where we're, we're eating the junk food of the world instead of enjoying healthy life in, in God. Anyway, we're going to read through James chapter 4, verse 10, and we're going to see that uh, he's talking about this same kind of thing as well with a little less Krispy Kreme references in here. Um, <laughs> It's up on screen if you did not bring your Bible. We're going to read the whole first 10 verses straight up. Okay. He says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Ouch. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Ah, James, stop. He goes on. Ouch, this is going to hurt. You adulterous people. What? Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God, hatred against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Whoa, strong language. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused uh, to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. And that's why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. Love that. Love that. Or or sanitize them or, you know, however that works right now. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What? 
Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. This is a real fun day, isn't it? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Right. Um, We probably need to pray. Let's do that. God, we just thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you that even though we're walking in strange, crazy times, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your word is life. It brings us into places of closeness with you and freedom and transformation. God, we want to give you permission to move today. We give you permission to move in our hearts. We just want to agree with whatever you want to do. And I want to pray that at the end of this message, we would be closer and more in love with you than when we got here. And we just pray for Central Campus right now. They had a powerful and amazing morning. We pray for the reduction and the elimination of the coronavirus throughout the world. And we pray that the NBA season would be restored in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. It's so boring without sport. Anyway, anyway. Um, All right, let's unpack this. You ready? We're going to unpack this as a chunky section of Scripture. I believe that God's going to speak to you through it, right? Let's go back to verse 1 to 3. Who's ready? You ready? I don't think you're ready. eh? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you're ready to go where I want to take you today. All right. All right, Graham, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. Let's, get, let's go. Let's go. All right. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Ah! Mm, okay, right, let's, let's, hit three, let, let's hit three things in here. Firstly, we all have desires that battle and rage within us. And it's not just healthy food or clean food, right? It's not just, do I go for the carrot or do I go for the chocolate cake? That's not the biggest problem that's going on inside of us, right? Because the world has sold us a lie that you can have everything, that you can do it all, you can have it all, everything that's on offer in the world can be yours. You just gotta have a few side hustles, you just gotta, you know, broaden your horizons a little bit. And so we bring that into our relationship with God and we go, cool, I can have Jesus and I can have all the other stuff that's going on. Not true. So we've got this, these desires inside of us, like, I want to do good, but I also want to hurt that person over there, right? We, we, we want to honour God and we want to, it's like in Romans chapter 7, talks about this war that is inside of us, this war that rages inside of us. And we've got these desires that have a battle. Anyone familiar with that battle? I'm familiar with the battle. It rages inside our hearts. It rages inside our minds, this this thing that keeps going on and on and on. And then it says, 
We desire, but we don't have. We covet, but we don't get. There's like a gap. Who's really good at dealing with gaps? Who likes a, a big gap in your life? You had an expectation, it didn't happen, and you're still doing really well. No, I, I don't, we don't deal so well with a big gap. You know, this is what I want. This is what I expect my life to look like. And I'm still back here. And I'm like not dealing so well with the gap that's in front of me. God, I thought you said this. I thought it was going to look like that. Doesn't your word say, but hang on a minute. But what? And we, 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 we live on planet Earth with these huge, enormous gaps at times. Time, the gaps between our desires and what I'm living in. Gaps between a dream and what I'm experiencing. Even gaps between what the promises of God say and how they're being outworked right here and right now. And we don't deal so well with gaps, even in the stuff that I want. You know, I want this, but I haven't got it. What's going on? John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he says, he says to start saying no to things that you want. And I'm like, probably not going to do that, you know, because I want it. And he's like, if you, if you say, if you learn to say no to things that you want, you acclimatize your soul to be ready for when the world doesn't give you what you want. I'm like, ah, that's very helpful, actually. So we have this desire gap. We have this, this battle that goes on. And then it goes on and says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. Now you're, James, now you're hitting hard because now you're talking to me about, about why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is not just about, Christianity is not just about behavioral adjustment. God comes and He starts to transform our hearts. He starts to transform our souls. He starts to work from the inside out. And James is like, your motives, think about why you want that stuff. Whoa. You know, and then we, 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 we go kind of, well, self, self-care. Yep, self-care is good. Self-care is good. It is important. But self-care can lead to self-focus, which can lead to self-absorption, which can lead to self-addiction where all I'm thinking about in this hyper, you know, hyper-individualistic society right now, all I'm considering is how it affects me. If you're writing notes, the, 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 this, this point is wrong motives, self-addiction, right? I, I forgot to mention that. But, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting at the end of these few verses that James is going to give me a nice little lift. You know, it's going to be like, Oh, oh, okay. He's like pointing the finger, pointing the finger, pointing the finger. Here's your little lift. Don't worry, don't worry. But he doesn't. He just keeps hitting. It's like, stop, man, stop. And, and, and it's not so that I will feel terrible about myself. Right? Whenever you read Scripture that, that kind of feels like it's punching too hard, it's not so that you will feel bad about yourself. It's so that you will realize something, and he's about to get to it. But firstly, he doesn't. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Right? James continues. And, and, and in second point, if you're writing notes, write this down. Misplaced love to gods. Verse 4 and 5. It says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity? That's like hatred. That's like, you know, you're in opposition. Enmity against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world 
not the people in the world, but the, the world, the stuff of the world, the system of the world, the thoughts of the world, the experiences of the world. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture, without reason, says that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? The other way you can read that verse is that all that the spirit he caused to dwell in us envies intensely. Anyone suffer with envy? Talk about that in a minute. You know, and, and so we have this thing where we want both. We want it all. I want both. Anyone watch that old El Paso ad where they're like, they were like, these Mexicans over here, they like hard tacos. And these Mexicans over here, they like soft tacos. And we can't seem to work out what's going on here. And there's a big battle between the Mexicans. And, you know, and there's the, the family, you know, meets up for dinner. And, and the father spins a big wheel and it's got soft and hard tacos on it. And as it's spinning, the little girl just goes, why don't we have both? You know, and it's like, and they lift her up. Yeah. And then everyone's partying together and the two sides of the Mexicans are all eating soft and hard tacos at the same time. And it's really, really good. That's what we do with Jesus in the world. We go, well, why can't I have both? Why can't I have Jesus and everything that he offers me and all the goodness and the forgiveness and the power and the love and the encounter moments and the scripture applied to my life. Whoa, in the community of faith, I want it all. I want it all, Jesus. And we're so double-minded because then we go, oh, but this is really good too. So why, why don't we have both? And we're expecting the, the, the trumpets to sound and everyone, yeah, you're so good, awesome. And right here, he says, you can't. It doesn't work like that. And he uses this really strong word. He's like, that's, that's adultery. You're like, are you allowed to say that word in church anymore? Like, are we allowed to use that word? Like he's, James is using similar terminology that Hosea used in the Old Testament. Fortunately, he, re- he reverts back to friendship language and it kind of you know, settles down a little bit. But he's like, you adulterous people. It's like, what? Adultery is misplaced love. It's when I allow my love to shift away from the one that I've committed myself to from the one that I've committed myself to, to something else, to somebody else. Someone who doesn't belong to me. And that person ends up replacing the one that I've committed to, the one that I've vowed to. And James is using this really strong, harsh language. But here's the deal, right? You, you, you can't have intimacy with God and love the world because when I become a friend of the world, it breaks my intimacy with God because God's like, that's the opposite of who I am. I came to save you from the world, not give you all of my blessings so you could become like the world. You can't, you can't have two loves Jesus uses this in terms of money as well. He says you can't love money and God. You can't have two gods. 
Because you can't have a mistress because if you do, right, I can't love my wife and have a mistress because having a mistress isn't loving my wife, right? It's not loving the one that I've committed my life to. It's exactly the same with God and the world. I can't, I can't love Jesus and love the Holy Spirit and love God and be committed to God and then just go, hang on, um, just, just pause for a minute because I'm just going to go over here and have a good time. Because going over here and having a good time is not loving God. There's such a duplicity in how we think. Friendship with the, with the world or friendship with God. You've got to make a choice. You can't have all of the good things in heaven and God and blessing and then have all of the stuff in the world that makes you feel really, really good for a moment and then really, really dirty after. You might have heard me say years ago, like sin is like McDonald's. It feels like it's going to be real good and you're driving and you're hungry and you're like, oh man, yes, yes, there's a Macca's. I forgot there was a Macca's on this trip. This is so good. And then you pull in and you're like, yep, and that, yep, and this, and you're driving away and you're like, oh, that's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, I forgot it was this good, right? I forgot it was this, oh, and then like it kicks in and you're like, Anyone got any Mylanta? Mmm, not feeling that good. Yeah, that's what sin does to you. And it says our spirit leans to this, this envy. Anyone know what envy is? I got us a definition for us. It's from Tim uh, Chalice or Chalice. On his blog, he says, Envy is responding to the success of other people with resentment towards them and despair within ourselves, longing that their success was our own. Or envy is responding to the failure of other people with joy, gleeful that their failure is not our own. He goes on to say that envy is so powerful and so evil that if someone else, is, we then want their success to not be theirs. We don't want them to have their success. And we don't want to have their failure. And we're really glad and proud. And we put ourselves on a pedestal when somebody else fails because we're so envious in ourselves. And these aren't like, all of this stuff we're talking about, these aren't thoughts and feelings that are easy to deal with. None of this is these battles that rage on the inside of us, this duplicity of mind, this, God, I want you, but I want everything. Can I have both, right? These can't be dealt with in a healthy way without the community of faith, without the Holy Spirit, without the Word of God, without, without people around us and leaders who love us. You know, we can't just somehow just get better at it. It's not just about, well, you know, I'm going to try better tomorrow. That doesn't work because that's, that's, that's going it alone without the Holy Spirit. James is like, it, 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 it's, it's awkward. I'm getting it, right? It's awkward. And James is leading us to a space right here where like, 
I am personally confronted with my own sin. I'm personally confronted with the heart stuff that's going on here and my head. Like, James, stop, man. Like, just back up the truck for a moment because I'm feeling, I'm not feeling great right now. Anyone not feeling great right now? You're like, hmm, probably rip that part of my Bible out later. You know, but like, but like it's so valuable to take a good, hard look at yourself every now and then and be like, how am I going in here? How am I doing in here? Does what I do and say and think and believe and want, does that line up with what God wants from my life? Because where we're landing this is that in a, in a place, but I, I just, God, I can't do this alone. I can't do this by myself and I can't do it in my own strength. And you might feel a bit condemned right now. That's not God's intention. That's not the heart of God. Romans 8, 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Right? No condemnation. There's none. God's not sitting up in heaven right now looking at you going, condemned, gone. He's leading you to a point. He's leading you to a place. He's leading you to a, a moment right now where you can start to realize this one, one, one thing. And James says it in verse six, thank goodness. Verse six, verse six, but he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. But He gives us more grace, more grace. Point three, more grace. I need more grace. I need more of Him, more of... He's so good to us, right? He's far better to you than you're going to give Him credit for. That's why you get an eternity in heaven, because it's going to take you an eternity to realize the goodness of God. You know, he's so good. He's so kind. He's so faithful. You know, he is so filled with unmerited favor towards me. There's no merit to it. There's no purpose to it. There's no reason for it. There's no, there's no like, I, I didn't do anything to earn it. It is completely God's love, completely God's grace. Much more gracious than I deserve. And here's the deal. He just keeps pouring it out. It's like more, more grace. God's grace towards us. I'm already saved. I'm already forgiven. I'm already walking around in some level of the, the identity that God has given me. Right? Keep listening to what I'm saying. Right? I've already got salvation. I've already got a place in heaven. I've already got relationship with Jesus. I've got an identity in Christ. I've got so much, but still what's going on in my heart, God's like, I got grace for that. You go backwards for a while, make a few wrong decisions, screw up your life a little bit. And God says, I got grace for that. don't know what to do with the, the, the battle that's raging in your head, 
You're making a few lifestyle choices that aren't so good. Your spouse is wondering what's going on with you maybe. And God's like, it's okay, it's okay. I got, I got grace for that. There's love for that. I'm gonna cover that. Because grace is not just favour. Grace is also power. It's God's empowering presence to not just forgive you, but to enable you, empower you with Him to walk close. Now, obviously, I've got like three or four verses here we haven't touched on. But perfectly, this is where James lands. And this is where I want to land today. Because when I get a heart check and a head check, and when I'm confronted with my own sin, my own duplicity, my own love for the world and love for God, when I'm just like, I feel like there's a, a division or this inside that's not well, that's not healthy, it's not strong. The Father leads me to the place where I'm understanding that He's got grace for it. But there's still one thing that I've got to do. And this is, can you just make, it, can you just make an agreement with me right now? That if you get, that, that you will respond today if Holy Spirit wants you to respond. Because this is way bigger than just, this is, this is huge. Like, this is the, this is the moment, this is the, this is the, these are the points in our lives where we get to make decisions that affect the rest of our lives, right? And, and, and James is landing on a, in a moment, he's landing on this space of surrender. He's landing in a space that is awkward and like, I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to walk down the front because I might cry or something might happen. Or I'm gonna, I'm, someone will lay their hands on me and I'll fall down. That's going to be weird. Or I don't want people to think that that's where I'm at. Who cares? This is a decision moment between you and the Father. This is what God is saying to us as a church. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Because He's got grace for that. And surrender is the only solution. There isn't like a get well plan. There's not like a, you know, the, the five steps to freedom right now. You know, this isn't a self-care moment. This isn't like a self-help book. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, selling another book right now. Hey guys, you know, it's only 10.95 today. You know, this is a moment where you go, Whoa, Holy Spirit's here and surrender's the only solution. Let's walk through these next verses, right? This is, the, this is the thing. And they're all action things. They're all things that we do. They're all imperatives. They're all things that I must do. And it says, submit yourselves then to God. God, you're... You're, you're, you're big and you're awesome and I need to come under you right now. I need to submit myself 
to you, to your way, your truth, your life, your, the way that you want to do it. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's such a great promise. Some of us need you to go, you know what? That's actually demonic. That stuff that I've been dealing with, that, that, that path that I've been running down, that's from the devil. That's, that's not healthy. That's not good. I need to resist the devil and turn to God. And, he will, and, the, and the, the devil will flee from you. And then it says, come near to God and He will come near to you. What a promise. You know what I, I find that any time I turn to God, I find He's right there. Anytime. It goes on in the socially correct space and says, wash your hands, you sinners. And He's talking about, I'm done with that. I'm washing my hands of that. I don't want to do that anymore. Whoa. I'm, I'm worried about how that has gonna, is, is impacting my walk with God, my walk with Christ. I'm washing my hands of that stuff. It says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. And if you're in that double-minded space right now, you gotta, you gotta purify your heart, purify your mind. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm settling on one. I'm coming down to just the one. No longer the dual pursuit. No longer running after both. No longer thinking I can have it all, I can do it all. It's just, it's just Jesus. That's it. Just Jesus. And it says, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And this signifies a really deep Repentance. Repentance is a super spiritual word that just means I changed my mind. Well, God changed my mind. And now I'm going in the other direction. I've resisted the devil. I've turned to God. And that's where I want to go now. And he finishes up with the most perfect landing. And he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. What an awesome passage. God's grace, His kindness leads me, leads you, leads us towards this place of repentance. And yeah, there might be a few tears because you might be like, God, you're still so good to me and I have not been good to you. Repentance is a change of mind. It's when you realise I'm, I'm running after the wrong stuff. What was I thinking? But God doesn't condemn you. His love creates the permission for you to go, I'm coming back. And I use the term surrender, but let me clarify just for a second what I mean by that. Because surrender doesn't mean I'm giving up. Surrender means I'm giving up on my way of doing it. 
my direction, my selfishness, my pursuit, me, 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 me. Just me and my pleasure. Just, you know, my way of doing it. My pursuit of the world. It's realising that my way is not the best way. And I'm going, God, it's really how you want to do it. Verse 10, let's just close our eyes and read this again. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Maybe today you're like, I'm realising that my motives and my desires, they're all out of whack. They're not where they should be. Maybe you realise that your love is all over the place. And today you're like, God, I need more grace. God, we thank you that you have more grace. When our hearts are all over the shop and our lives are not reflecting your glory, not reflecting everything that you came to give us you keep saying I've got more grace for that right now maybe you need to humble yourself before God say God say Jesus I want to go your way I'm having a decision moment that's going to shift the entire course of my future I want to go your way thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast we would love to see you at one of our services to find out more visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.